Welcome to Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast about how mental health shows up in real life. Each episode provides direction for listeners to take steps towards a healthier mind. I'm your host and licensed marriage and family therapist, Justin Lewis. Today's episode is a little bit different, and to set that up, Leslie Donner and I explained that. Before we get to that, I do want to let you know that Mapping Healthy Minds podcast is sponsored by Compass Counseling. We all have mental health, and taking care of it can't wait. You can learn more about Compass Counseling or book an appointment online at www.compasscounseling.com. Compass offers online counseling and in-person counseling in Paducah, Henderson, and Owensboro, Kentucky. Okay, so here we are, episode of Mapping Healthy Minds, a little bit of a special edition this week. We've got um, one of Leslie Donner's clients who decided that she wanted to tell her story, and we have this venue for people to tell their story. So she doesn't identify herself, but Leslie, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about how this came to pass? Uh, well, the topic that we're discussing, the the diagnosis, although it's not a, a real clear diagnosis, and we'll get into that, of um, how it can get kind of murky when, when dealing with these kinds of mental health issues, but we wanted to talk about postpartum depression, and um, in this case, we'll talk a little bit about postpartum anxiety, postpartum OCD, the fact that it doesn't always look the same for every person, and how important an accurate diagnosis is and in uh, working with this particular client over the last almost a year one of the things that we talked about was how necessary it is to raise awareness that there is treatment for this there is help Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people don't talk about it I know that's true of a lot of mental health issues but this is kind of a unique issue for Uh, new moms that there's a lot of shame involved probably not as much as there used to be uh, which is a good thing but you know it was really important to this particular client to kind of get the word out that you know therapy can really be helpful it it may not be what you have uh, in mind it's it's a lot more comfortable a lot more relaxed atmosphere than a lot of people might might think um so this is not for everybody to be able to do this. No, it's really neat you know that what? she was willing to do that. How so, did, tell, no, me, tell me a little bit about You mean not that, for every client. Not for every client, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but she no. really felt passionate, I think, about um, yeah. doing this. And I she mean, was a listener of the podcast, so she knew yes. that it existed uh, before the uh, interview. So she kind of had an idea of what this might be like. And it's real unusual for us to take this angle. We've taken a few different angles uh, from the professional, from the layman before. But nobody, nobody ever really has gone into this much depth with their personal experience. Yeah. I thought that and, was really neat she, that she was wanting to do that. And she does talk about how therapy's really changed her whole life and, and talks about where she is now compared to where she was most definitely a year has, ago. Yeah. And, and she said to me, like she had said to me many times, she didn't ask about a podcast in particular, but she said, you know, moms need to know this. Women need to know about this. And she herself had told many of her friends and family members about therapy and how it had helped her. But um, I just got to thinking one day about how the podcast might be something she'd be interested in. Yeah. So you floated it to her. She loved the idea, obviously, and was a really good 
interview. And I think this interview is going to be real helpful for anybody that wanted to know more about what exactly postpartum um, complications as far as depression, OCD may look like. And it may help provide some comfort for somebody that is experiencing that. I think it has been normalized a little bit more as we've gone along uh, where mothers know that it's okay not to feel the way that they feel. And uh, she talks a little bit about how social media can make that a problem. Um, But she uh, really does a great job just talking about her experience and so I was it, happy that this interview happened. Yeah, and, and this this episode will be good, not just for moms, new moms, moms-to-be, but anybody who supports them. Mm-hmm. So right. uh, grandmas and husbands and partners and other family members, um, postpartum depression and issues like that affect up to 20% of new moms, and that's the ones that come forward and talk about this. So, um, you know, that's a pretty high number. And I think even more than that, we could zoom out and see it being inspirational for people if they just outside of postpartum, it can just be inspiration for people to see someone talk about their experience and how they've uh, navigated through a difficult time. And it wasn't wasn't a quick fix for her. She had some hurdles along the way, but um, obviously you have helped her quite Mm -hmm. a bit and she was happy for that. So that was great to hear. Which is of no surprise. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, here is the interview with Leslie's client. What is this, like three times in now? Four. Four times? Four. How often do you go back and listen to your episodes? Be honest. Um, I think I've listened to one. Just one? That's all? (laughs) I don't have time. Don't have time. All right. Well, anyone starting this episode, don't listen to her. There's always plenty of time for podcasts. Okay. So uh, Leslie's client, I found out, is a listener to the podcast. Yes, I am. I found you last October. Okay. Last October. We've been around a while. See, that's over a year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How about that? Loyal listener. Yeah. So you've heard Leslie's episodes? I haven't, which... It's crazy to me because, you know, she is my favorite. I was, I was hesitant to ask that question because I was afraid of that answer, but (laughs) alas, here we are. I recommend Leslie's episodes. We talked about mental health in movies on one of our shows and that was kind of fun. So, and TV shows and the media. It is not portrayed well. No, it's not. Generally not. Especially what, what we're kind of going to talk about today. (laughs) I don't even think about, think that it's portrayed very much either. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, a lot of times positive resolution isn't interesting on TV. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so, so it's like the downs, any downside that could possibly happen in life happens on TV and that includes therapy. So it's like crash and burn is more fun to watch than the way that it's supposed to go. But, um, Today we're going to talk about the topic of postpartum depression. Uh, we've covered depression on here before, but not from this specific angle. So um, Leslie's client has talked to Leslie about sharing her story. It's my understanding. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I would love to share. Okay, good. And I would issue a disclaimer that um, uh, my whole view of how to do therapy and then everything has changed, I'd say this last year. And normally, I would have thought, I would never ask a client to do something like this, like to be on a podcast or to um, to disclose information. But I think that that is part of the problem, that attitude. That's what keeps stigma going. 
and um, this is something that we have talked about for a while, not doing a podcast, but so many times she had said to me in session, women need to know about this. Mm. Moms need to know this. And then mm-hmm. she has also taken it upon herself to, to tell many people. I know she's done <laughs> several referrals. Yeah. She's always trying to educate people and, and get the word out there that, hey, therapy's great. It's not what you think. Um, you know, if you feel like you need to talk to someone, she's all about putting that message out there. And actually, I think for her, it's part of her journey. Like, to feeling better is to help other people. And I, I've actually told her several times too, you really, you need to go to school for this. You need to be a therapist because she has those qualities about her just naturally. So I wouldn't normally do this with any client and, and every client is not appropriate for something like this. But for her, I felt like it was particularly beneficial. Yes. Okay. That's a good, good intro and in how this happened we, we're never going to pressure any client into hopping on a microphone no there was no pressure whatsoever uh, right. like leslie said we had talked on several occasions about me just sharing my journey and advocating for mothers to mm-hmm. you know seek help because it's okay and it's a normal part of motherhood not everyone's going to go through it but those who do shouldn't feel stigmatized Sure. Well, why don't we start and you can just share the pieces of your story that you'd like to share and we'll move from that point. I have suffered from anxiety lifelong. It's one of those things that it's almost part of my personality, but motherhood brought forward part of it that I hadn't really recognized as, you know, a true struggle. It was just my normal. So I didn't really realize it was something I needed help with until I had someone I had to take care of. And Mm. for me, I had to take care of myself to take care of him. Mm. Um, I, it started out as just my typical anxiety, but as my child grew older, I struggled with lots of obsessing over things, which is very typical in new motherhood. You know, they talk about SIDS and just everything that can happen to a baby when they're born. (laughs) You worry about feeding schedules. You worry about sleeping. um, You worry about the risks that come along with childbirth. And just that load can be a lot on a person who struggles with mental health. Here's something I wish people knew. When people think about, oh, postpartum depression. Well, I'm not really depressed. It's not necessarily postpartum depression. I've seen postpartum anxiety, postpartum OCD, big time, postpartum rage. I mean, <laughs> like all the feelings. Any of this stuff can happen. I think that's why a lot of people don't recognize it. It's like, well, I'm not really sad. You know, I'm like super irritable or I'm like worried about well, what if this happens or what if this happens. Another thing, some people have always viewed postpartum depression as meaning like one of the symptoms can be not wanting anything to do with your baby or not wanting to be near it, not taking care of it. <laughs> I've seen quite the opposite in most of my clients. It's almost like being obsessed with the baby. No one can hold them. No one can be around them. Yes, and that's exactly what I did. I didn't trust anyone with my son. I stayed up and watched him breathe night after night because I was terrified of something Mm. happening. So I lost all my sleep, and we all know that with mental health, no sleep, it just deteriorates quickly. Yeah, That was one of your biggest issues, I think. Oh, massive. That really sent you into a tailspin was because you were so sleep deprived. Yes, and I put such, I had such a focus on if I didn't breastfeed my child, something would happen to him. I had that pressure in my head that if I stopped, 
it would just be the end of everything. And mm-hmm. that's just not the reality. For some mothers, as beneficial as that is, it's not what's best for some. Yeah. That, I love, that's why I love that line, that fed is best. Yes, fed And, and is I remember, best. I've been there with my oldest. I remember being up one night, and I wasn't making enough milk, and baby's crying and crying. My husband's like, just give him a bottle. Like, no, he's learning. His intellect will be impaired. He's like, we'll get him a tutor. Yes. Like, yeah. Like, this is, we stress about it so much, and there's so much judgment out there. Yes. Of, yes. of everything that you do, questioning mm-hmm. every decision that you make. And that's really my anxiety. And some of my depression started while I was pregnant, which is something that isn't talked about either. Good point. Um, prenatal, or is it prenatal? Antenatal? Antipartum. Antipartum. Yeah. Antipartum depression. So with my pregnancy, I had a scare when I was 14 weeks. I thought, I went to the ER and the doctor told me I was miscarrying, mm. which I wasn't. Oh, <laughs> I, I found out. But on a first time mom hearing that it just struck with me that like this child he, i was pregnant with him but his permanence wasn't permanent necessarily right. i didn't yeah. know what would happen and it kind of planted that i would have been more comfortable seeking help but everyone just tells you you're okay yeah. you're just tired and you know from a lot of moms that just isn't the case they are struggling and they need to reach out wait a minute are you saying that that screening they give you in the hospital that lasts about five minutes and then the six-week checkup is not adequate for addressing your mental health needs <laughs> i got my screening while i was still i on sent my... some sarcasm sarcasm over there <laughs> <laughs> i got the screening when i was still on all of my medication from my c-section i don't even remember the second day after my son was born and that's when i was given oh, the screening wow. yeah so you know it's just it's not accurate right you know, mothers need more intervention. Everyone checks on the baby, but you have to remember that mother's there too. And she has just through one of the biggest life changes ever. And it is very traumatic on the body, especially yes. when you're talking about C-sections. Um, and it made me realize too, for the first time, I had always been one of those people that when people talk about, oh, oh I have severe PMS and I have mood swings and, and I would be like, oh, whatever. And then I had three C-sections and I experienced that like after that placenta is out, you have that hormone drop. Yes. Teeth chattering, shivering. Like, oh, I remember this? feeling like it felt like I had bugs on my skin yeah. just crawling because oh, oh, the medicine, the sleep deprivation, the hormone drop, yeah. it was just the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, but it did. All of the things that happened in the first nine months of my son's life led to where I am now. And I don't know if I had, if I would have gotten to this place if it wasn't for that. You know, all of those struggles, they led to me being here. And I am thriving probably better than I have in my entire life because I have faced all those things that, you know, I saw as something, a, a roadblock that's very difficult. But really, I mean, it was paving the way to yeah. me being the best version of myself I could be. And it wasn't a straight road to get No, there, it wasn't. No. I mean, I still, it's not that the things that I struggle with, they're still there. I just know how to process them now. And there aren't this big burden on me. They don't interfere with my daily life. The big one for me is I have OCD, so I have intrusive thoughts. They used to stop me in my tracks immediately, just shut down pure terror of this Am I losing my mind? Because you, for me, I thought people don't think like this. They don't have these thoughts. But in reality, most of the population do. It's just for individuals with OCD, it's triggering and you get in this obsessive cloud. Right. And thankfully, you've taught me how to stop <laughs> that. And for me, that's been a huge part of my rehabilitation is just realizing that it's just a thought. 
thoughts don't mean actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, like, so I've been with you through this whole pandemic and calling you and you would answer and sometimes immediately burst into tears. <laughs> I'm like, all right, what is it this time? And you'd say, I think, I think. And you would say something, and then as time went on, you would say, that's crazy, isn't it? Why am I thinking this? Oh, I know why I'm thinking. Like, I would just sit there and just kind of watch, and you would just kind of process it all on your own and go through all the steps. Yes, you have definitely taught me the self-recognition of like sitting down and really thinking about, okay, am I being rational? Mm-hmm. Because when I'm very anxious, sometimes I'm not rational. You know, I let my thoughts just spiral and that just isn't a good thing for me to do. Um, the majority of new mothers have intrusive thoughts. I think we've talked yes. about that before. And some are very strange. Yes. It's okay to talk about them. I've heard everything. I've heard moms that are afraid. Mother-in-law's really setting up this nursery. I'm scared she's going to kidnap the baby. I've heard, I'm afraid I'm going to throw my baby down the stairs. I'm afraid I'm going to... And I know to listeners who have not been there, this does sound like bizarre. And of course, if if anybody's getting into like the postpartum psychosis, that's a totally different story. If you're having hallucinations or feeling like something's commanding you to, to harm your baby, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about thoughts that are associated with fear, which is what you have. Exactly. But speaking about postpartum psychosis, that was a huge thing for me is because I had these thoughts and I was convinced that's what was happening to me. But a, a big difference is the awareness that fear, it tells us that that isn't what's happening, yeah. you know? You're aware that these thoughts are bizarre. You're yes. not part of, it's not and it's, reality. It's something that we've said a lot too, like, People who are crazy don't know they're crazy. Yes. And so that if you have a thought that starts with the phrase, what if, that is anxiety. Yes. Little known fact about me, I am terrified of losing my mind. So <laughs> it was a big thing for me during postpartum. Um, that Just that fear of, I like to have control. I'm definitely a control freak. I didn't enjoy the fact that I had these intrusive thoughts that weren't in my control in that sense. I could control what I thought afterwards. And at that point, I didn't realize that I had control of my reaction. It was just that panic, and it was that cycle, and it was very, very hard to break. Um, I I did have postpartum depression to a certain degree. I would say mine was primarily anxiety-driven. I had a lot of the OCD, but it led to a depression because I felt like I didn't have control of it, and mm-hmm. I believed that I would be stuck there in that state for the rest of my life, yeah. <laughs> which, and, and you know... You I I did I did and I look back now and there's pictures with me and my son and Mm. you know I never lost that bond with him at the hardest point in my life he was still my main concern I actually um I did inpatient at a hospital because I got to a point that I was just very I was struggling um it's a a very long wait to see a psychiatrist in this area which Mm. is another thing that Mm. I feel should be addressed. There shouldn't be a six month wait to see a psychiatrist because when you were struggling, you can't wait six months. Right. Yeah. And so you also didn't have the best support as far as, you know, no medical doctors. And <laughs> no. you were kind of told that you were normal. Like this yes. is normal. This is, you know, hmm. I went to my OB, um, several occasions. I, I need to put a timeline on this. My son was nine months old when I went inpatient. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, obviously struggling to everyone around me those whole nine months i mean panic attacks in public i wouldn't go anywhere i wouldn't take my son to do anything in retrospect oh driving i had panic Mm. attacks driving it was terrifying yeah 
retrospect, uh, with the pandemic, I wish I had enjoyed last year a little bit more when I had freedom, <laughs> but it's okay. Um, yeah, driving was the biggest one for me. I just, I was also convinced at one point that my OCD focuses on health frequently. Mm-hmm. And I read an article about a mother who had a heart condition after she gave birth and she had heart failure. So I started to have those, what if that happens to me? What if that happens to me? And you know, and you did the worst thing that you oh, can do. The worst thing. You research. Exactly. That is another thing. I, yeah. I think that OCD people a lot Dr. of times Google. think about your typical like cleanliness and organizations mm-hmm. and external compulsions. Mine are all mental and Googling. And you know, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, they look at that and they don't think OCD because it doesn't present in the normal way. Mm-hmm. It's most certainly OCD. Mm-hmm. If you looked at my Google history last year, it was OCD. Oh <laughs> yeah, but I did, I did inpatient, which I think is a wonderful thing, you know, and I don't think it should be stigmatized either. Um, I had a very negative view on it going in, but coming sure. out, you know, it was necessary for me. Mm-hmm. I, um, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Leaving yeah. my son right. for a week to get the help I needed was the hardest thing I ever had to do. But, you know, I actually, I missed his first Thanksgiving and it was very, very difficult. But I remember sitting there thinking, I can miss this one holiday to spend the rest with him in a better spot. And it's true. I got out a week later. Christmas was wonderful. I got on the right medication I needed. I started meeting with Leslie, who was a godsend. She has <laughs> helped me tremendously. Um, I was on medication for a few months. It did help. I was misdiagnosed when I was in the hospital, which is okay. It does happen. Mm-hmm. My anxiety and depression presented odd. And if you didn't spend a long time talking to me, it yeah. was easy to get the wrong diagnosis. Right. Sure. And you also had um, a really bad reaction to one of the SSRIs, and it kind of threw you into a, a real panic state. I did. And I think that that's part of why you got the misdiagnosis. You were initially diagnosed as, as having bipolar disorder. And, you know, the first time I met you, after I talked to you for like an hour, I was like, this is just does not fit. This is not a bipolar diagnosis. And I'll tell you too, part of this problem of misdiagnosis is unfortunately related to billing and insurance. Um, Currently, there is no code for postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. Um, I remember one time, I think I put a diagnosis down for you as um, anxiety related to a general medical condition, which is the closest thing I could get. Insurance would not reimburse. And so I think that's part of the reason you've got that misdiagnosis. And unfortunately, now you're trying to get it off of your records and having a hard time doing that. Um, but yeah, you were put on some, some medications that did work. Yes, they worked wonderfully. Yeah. Um, they did. Some of them had a little bit of negative um, side effects. Side effects, yes. Mm-hmm. Some negative side effects. Uh one of the benefits of being extremely anxious was I lost quite a bit of weight. It was the one silver lining. Um, one of the medications, I gained most of it, if not all of it, back, which is okay. I remember telling a nurse in the hospital, I'd rather be fat and happy. So <laughs> here I am, yeah. fat and yes. happy. Yeah. Um, but that, that was one thing. While I was in the hospital, um, several of the nurses and the therapists there, they all agreed with you. They didn't think it was the right diagnosis. And they continually reinforced that to me. 
I am a very um, authority-driven person. So when somebody who I think has that credibility tells me something, I really run with it. So when that doctor labeled me that, it, w- it felt, it was hard for me to cope with. And not that there is anything wrong with being diagnosed with any disorder. Just for me individually, it was a very scary thing, which I, I've told you before, my anxiety makes me feel safe. That, that's what I was thinking about as you were saying that. It was like this real breakthrough moment. I don't know if it was more of a breakthrough for you or for me as a therapist. But I said, I remember I was, I was uh, doing, th- doing telehealth from my bathroom floor, like about in March of the pandemic. And, and you were on the other side and you were just talking about all this stuff. And I'm like, I said, you're so terrified of being diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Why don't you care that you're a neurotic mess? <laughs> that you said my anxiety keeps me safe yes yes I just it has my whole life you know probably to an unhealthy point of me being too worried at some points in my life but it really has you know anxiety has never been something that has made me feel unsafe it's just been like almost like that guardian for me of okay I'm going to keep you in check and make sure you are aware of these things and that you are keeping yourself safe, which can be an unhealthy thing. But if you get a manage on it, I don't know that anxiety is necessarily a bad thing, you know? I think a certain level... To a degree. To a degree, it's, you know... It's healthy, yeah. Part of the human experience is emotions. Like we talked about earlier, you know? I'm not necessarily sure that we have to label all these things. And we, in this field, tend to pathologize a lot of things that are normal. Yes, and I do, even to this day. I have emotions and I really question myself because I do have mental health struggles, you know, but most of the time they're normal. Yeah. And if I talk to somebody, they've experienced it too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know, we could we could say we all have it to a certain degree. I have yet to meet a person who hasn't struggled at some point. Yeah. You know, I and I'm thankful for, I really am thankful for this. The whole journey I've been through um, in my personal life, I have had several close friends they have really struggled and I don't know if I hadn't went through what I went through that they would have sought help mm-hmm. and I would do it over and over again to make sure the people that I love and care about feel normalized and feel valid because you know a lot of people around here are old school and when I went through it I had all the like physical support people were there for me and I was very very fortunate but they didn't understand mm-hmm. I was the first one who kind of broke down and was like, I need help. I can't do this on my own. And I what I don't hide it. It's part of my journey and I like I really do enjoy sharing it because I think everyone could benefit from therapy. Yeah. Especially the people in my life, as you would agree. <laughs> they could really benefit from it. And seeing myself, if you could go back and talk to me a year ago, today a year ago, it was I went inpatient almost a month exactly from now, I was probably at one of the lowest points, like the lowest points in my life. And it's a year later and I'm telling you, I feel wonderful. And I seriously credit it to therapy. Medication helped me tremendously Mm -hmm. to work through the really hard parts of therapy. But man, as far as long-term rehabilitation, therapy is the best. It Mm -hmm. teaches you those tools you have to have to manage. Mm -hmm. And just as an indication of, of how much therapy has helped you, you actually got COVID. 
I did. I had coat. I was terrified. I am the most anxious person. I <laughs> and I remember like the week before you were saying, you know, you guys had been like really safe and not done anything and you guys went to a wedding out of town and you're like, I'm kind of worried about this, but I'm sure it'll be fine. And then I talked to you right after you got back and I'm like, my throat's a little scratchy. I'm really tired. I'm like, oh, you're probably just run down. And I'm hanging up the phone thinking, oh my God, of all people, Please don't let her be the one that gets it. And the next time I talk to you, you're like, I've got COVID. I was like, oh my gosh. And it was so funny because it was almost like, and I had to tell other people, I was like, I've got this client, most anxious person I've ever met in my life. She's relieved. She's got it. And she's somehow relieved. And, you know, we talked about that too. For people with a lot of anxiety, when everything's going well, man, that's scary. Because mm-hmm. it's like, what's about to happen? Mm-hmm. But when your life is like, everything's in chaos, yes. you're comfortable with that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I thrive the best when things are just a mess. And it's it's like that survival mode of I just take care of what has to be taken care mm-hmm. of. Because when you're faced with the actual threat, it's like my anxiety diminishes. And it's just take care of what you have to take care of. It's the calm after it that I still, I struggle with that, but not nearly as bad as I used to, you know, it's, I'm almost at a point where I enjoy the peace, which, Mm. you know, motherhood is rare to have peace, (laughs) but it's enjoyable now. Uh, For me, the COVID, a lot of that that was terrifying in the beginning was just the unknown. We didn't know much about it. And I was very scared because you heard the horror stories, but now that well, here we are almost a whole year into it, I am thankful I had it because I would probably still be terrified of it. Mm-hmm. And not that it's something that should be taken lightly, but it's like anything else. You do what you have to and yeah. there's no sense in worrying about it because mm-hmm. you, you can't always control. You can't control. You really can't control anything except yeah. your reaction to things. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing. And, and you said something just now that reminded me too that um, like there's the real issues that bother people and then when you have anxiety you can somehow twist that into these other things that are totally irrational so I've had people before that are you know worried about something kind of crazy like again like well, what if my mother-in-law steals my new baby like that's not the real issue then when we get to the meat of it it's like I think I yell at my kids too much. Oh, yes. Like, that's a real thing. Okay, let's work on that and not Mm -hmm. this crazy stuff. Nine times out of ten, my anxiety is about something so Mm far-fetched. It's just, and I think it's almost a protective mechanism yes. in my mind just to refocus easier. yes like you know, you know that that's things not gonna happen yeah the the, the reality is like <laughs> that's not you're yeah. like you said that's not gonna happen it's harder to face the things that we can fix yeah because you know it's work yeah. and many times with anxiety <clears throat> it's like the result that we're afraid of, we kind of get, but just in a different way. Like if we make the fear of this thing outside, like someone's going to steal my baby. But like you said, like because of that, having some maladaptive behaviors, you're disconnected from the baby. The baby may not be given away, yeah. but the thing that you're really afraid of, which is not feeling connected to your child, yes. is indeed yes. happening. Yes. So being able to understand and identify what is my genuine fear and how could that happen if I don't take care of this anxiety is real important. That is exactly what happened with me. I was so terrified of me not having control of my mind when my son was young that it got to a point where I I didn't have much control. And it, it really was because of what, how I was adapting to the situation. Mm-hmm. It just, like you said, it spiraled. 
And I went from being like semi-collected to just a mess because that fear of what if I lose my mind? And in that point, I was so unfocused on what really needed to be taken care of. I might as well have actually lost my mind. <laughs> yeah. Right. The result was the result played was out the same. The same. As my fear. Yeah. Right. And what I was the most afraid of, it never happened. Mm-hmm. And I reflect on that a lot when I am anxious is that the vast majority of things I've worried about don't happen. And the ones that do, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, I was terrified of having a C-section. Absolutely horrified. It happened and I was okay. And my yeah. baby's okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I was in labor for three days that yeah. ended in an emergency C-section. And that's a trip, mm. <laughs> like a, a crazy trip. And yeah. I, for a long time, was terrified that I wouldn't want to have children again because of it. But here I am a year down the road, and we're planning on extending our family in the future. When Leslie met me, I, I really think I was pre- a different person. Just terrified. You were. And I, oh, I, it made me so sad when you talked about that, like having, like, I don't think I want to go through this again. It made me sad for you. Like, yeah. as a you know, because I know you're a great mom. I thought, man, she's really going to miss out. And this, like, other child is really going to miss out if I'm not yes. being yours, you know? Well, in, in therapy, I learned to trust myself. I just put so much validation in what other people said about me and, like, what they thought of me in motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I trust myself now. And I trust my judgment. And I trust my mind, which for a long time I didn't. And that's a very hard thing to constantly seek validation from others. You have to be able to get in there yourself and be like, okay, you were capable of this. Mm-hmm. And that's therapy has taught me that. I, I had that mistrust and it's heartbreaking to not be able to trust yourself. And it's not, I could trust myself. That's probably not the best wording. What, how, is there a better well, way to I word that? that. <laughs> how, how you got there too. Like um, you've had some things happen to you in the past. You've had some experiences that led you to doubt yourself a lot, you know? Yes, I did. I was told a lot as a child that I wasn't, what's the word for that? I don't know. Like capable or something? Um, specifically motherhood. I was okay. told on several occasions as a young adult that motherhood probably wasn't a good fit for me. Okay. And so when I became a mother, I really did struggle with that because sure. it was a very important person in my life who um, put that thought in my mind. And so with having the postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, it kind of reinforced that mm-hmm. that somebody had told yeah. me that like you aren't capable of this and you know it you have to be able to get in your head i am capable yeah. and having having anxiety having depression struggling with any of these things doesn't make you less of a mother the vast majority mm-hmm. of moms do struggle with <laughs> this everyone i know when i was in the midst of it i didn't i thought i was alone in it mm-hmm. But you talk to other moms and they're going through the same thing and they won't talk about it either because this picture in our mind is of motherhood and this perfectness and this joy and that's not the reality nothing's like that motherhood Mm -hmm. is the same as the rest of life it's ups and downs and there is joy Mm -hmm. i think looking back i remember last fall i didn't think i was going to have that joy i loved my son and i was so proud of him and so happy but i didn't have that joy and Mm -hmm. now it's wonderful. <laughs> like a small little thing. I go shopping for his clothes now. And I love shopping for him and dressing him up. 
last year I couldn't do that because I was struggling and it just wasn't a priority. I was in survival mode and I remember getting on Instagram and seeing other moms dress their babies up and thinking I'm a bad mom because mm-hmm. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the truth. No. And we've talked about that too, how the whole social media thing, make sure whoever you follow on whatever social media you like to use, make sure it's positive stuff because it's out there. There's a, so many positive moms and dads that post stuff and people that follow those people they make you feel good yes yeah. people that you actually know right yeah. not like oh no yeah. no i mean i don't know but that's the thing with social media if someone were to look at my instagram mm-hmm. they would never know oh. <laughs> there's a picture we got family pictures done a week before i went to the hospital and they look wonderful and everything <laughs> looks perfect and happy and i have this bright glowing smile on my face and man, I, it wasn't great. Yeah. And I feel bad for that because I, I want to share with moms, like, you know, it's not mm. perfect. My life isn't perfect. Yeah. My Instagram is not reflective of what really happens right. in my day-to-day life. But, you know, especially for my generation, I believe that we struggle with a lot of anxiety from that. You see everyone's highlight reel. You think that's what their life is. They're Mm -hmm. not struggling like I am. But then you talk to them and they are facing the same things you are. And I'm as bad as anyone else. I admit that. I occasionally share the Facebook post about postpartum depression and do my best to advocate. My social media doesn't reflect what it should. Mm -hmm. I do... In real life, I talk about it as often as I possibly can. Face to face, you live an unfiltered life now. I do. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Yeah, social media, I love it and I'm thankful for it, but it is not reflective of really anybody. I mean, Chrissy Teigen, she just shared. There's somebody who's, yes, there's someone (laughs) who is very real. Yeah. And I really respect her for that because she is sharing the hardships that happen. Yes. You know? I mean, just gone through a miscarriage pretty far along. Yes. And she got, like, all kinds of hate. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, miscarriage is the same as the postpartum depression anxiety. Mm -hmm. Nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about it. Or it's disenfranchised grief. They say things like, oh, you weren't very far along. Well, there's probably something wrong with the baby anyway. It's a blessing. Like, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Like, how... How is their child any less valuable than the one standing beside you? Right. It's just, it's not fair for any mother to go through this journey feeling like they are alone or unequal. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's like our culture. If you like, like speaking from an anthropological standpoint, our culture does this all wrong, you know, um, because you'd be having visitors like yes. three days after the baby's born. I've told you before, if I could live in a commune, I would. And I <laughs> I don't mean like the, the cult kind. I just, I really enjoy community. And that was a huge part of motherhood for me. Prior to having my son, I lived in an apartment in town. I had friends in and out all day long. I got married, I moved to Kevil, and I had a baby. All three of those things are the quickest ways to lose friends. Isolate yourself, yeah. That's right. They just disappeared. So for me, the isolation was very difficult. I was very blessed to have family who did come and help a lot. My mother has been absolutely wonderful. She still helps me. She's with my son right now while I do this. I'm so thankful for her. But you miss that friendship, and you miss that bond with the people your age. And my friends still... 
Uh, I talked to a friend this morning. She told me she loves my son and she's so glad I have him, but she's so glad she isn't a mother right now because she wants to do what she wants. (laughs) But, you know, I understand where she's coming from, but on this side of that, I cannot imagine my life without my son because Mm -hmm. all those things that used to fulfill me, they just don't anymore. Yeah. You know? And but it it's a difficult age. I'm a younger mom. The mat <laughs> the vast majority of my friends aren't parents. So yeah. they're at a different point in life. And that's okay. You just have to find your own tribe. You know, which is difficult during the pandemic. It is very hard right now. <laughs> you, and you said that to me before, you know, a few times about your age. You are a young mom. Not in this area. But, like, if you go to, like, one of the cows, like, how old were you when, when, when he was born? I was 21 when he was born. Yeah. Um, and you said that to me. Oh, maybe, you know, I'm young. And, I, and I'm like, okay. I, and I did this, like, 20 years later than you. And because my youngest and yours, they're, like, a month apart. Um and I would tell you, no, it's not because you're young. Like, it's just that hard. Yes. Which is what I, you know, I wrote a blog post recently about that very thing. Like, you're not doing it wrong. It's that hard. Yeah. I still I still struggle with accepting that fact. Because I like to, I'm it's probably the self-absorption in me, but I like to think <laughs> it's about me when it's really not. Yeah. Um, you're right. Um, it, it is something. My sister-in-law, she is um, almost 40, and she her youngest is two. So, I mean, we're in two different age brackets, and she struggles with the same things, you know. Especially in today with the pandemic, it is so hard. I mean, you really can't be around yeah. other people. So as far as it's, it's phone calls mm-hmm. and Zoom and FaceTime, and toddlers don't Zoom. Yeah. They just they don't, well, they they don't do. Zoom. They do. Yeah. <laughs> but. So if you could go back and tell yourself something, uh, what would you say? You go back in time and tell yourself uh, some sort of information or encouragement, what would it be? You're stronger than everything you will face and it will all turn out okay and for the better. And probably just to listen to yourself Mm -hmm. because listening to the wrong voices can really do damage. Mm -hmm. Also find Leslie. (laughs) (laughs) So you lighten up. Yeah, <laughs> relax. <laughs> and you, you have you have to laugh about stuff sometimes. You know, normally I don't mock clients. I do with this one. <laughs> it's just she likes it. It helps her grow. Um, like you have to have a sense of humor about some of this. You can't take everything so seriously. No. Oh my gosh. If you take everything seriously, especially in motherhood. It will not work. I pulled a live cicada out of my son's mouth two weeks ago. <laughs> I would have been terrified if he was an infant. And now that he's a toddler, I'm like, oh, you're fine. The little immune boost. It's going to be okay. He, did, he didn't eat any of it. I got it all out. But like that, that is the reality of it. You just, you roll with the punches. And it's fun. It's fun. That's the, if you relax, you can enjoy it because I was so neurotic about everything. Everything had to be perfect and I had to be in control. There is no controlling a 19-month-old. They are doing their own thing. They're wild. And I I really love the toddler years. I think they're easier for me than the Mm -hmm. infant years. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm much busier. And for me, like being active really helped. I spent a lot of time when he was a baby like just sitting and holding him because I didn't let anybody else hold him. (laughs) And that wasn't good for my mental health. Lots of just 
sitting and thinking and you know you have to be active and even in the pandemic there are ways to be active in i'm gonna probably not isolation but <laughs> be active while being safe <laughs> yeah sure Okay. Can we add a little bit about that? Please do. Yeah. Okay. 2204. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So I originally, before I did inpatient, I found a therapist and she was a wonderful therapist. We just weren't the right fit. You know, Um, that is so important Mm -hmm. in getting better is finding somebody who really relates to you. We're both mothers. Mm -hmm. That is massive because... I, the vast majority of my thoughts center around motherhood. And I don't think that somebody who hadn't been in my shoes would understand where I'm coming from. I suspect Leslie would be a better fit for you than I would. Probably (laughs) so. Motherhood (laughs) is hard for me to uh, directly relate with. This girl's a hot mess. (laughs) (laughs) I can talk about anxiety, but Leslie's got that inside track on motherhood. Yes. Yes. Motherhood is just, it's one of those things that if you haven't really experienced it, it's very hard to really understand because from the outside, I think, I mean, as a man, that picture of like the idyllic motherhood is, is that what you think of whenever you think about motherhood? I, I mean, I'm just, <laughs> am I putting you on the spot? I don't spend a lot of time thinking about motherhood. <laughs> I'm not even, I don't even have any, I don't even have children. So I think a lot about like how I can live this life of self-indulgence. It's more of where my thought process is going. Like so what you, can you, I do for I myself constantly? I my friend that I was talking to this yeah, morning. Exactly. She's like, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> and it is, and that's another thing. Outside of motherhood, women in general, I don't think that motherhood is something that should be pressured on every woman. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the flip side of my story. But I have friends who it's just not in their life trajectory. Yeah. It's not what mm-hmm. they want. And I think that is perfectly fine. And that shouldn't have a stigma on it either. There, no, mm-hmm. there should be no script you and know? pressure to follow it. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. women in general, we should support each other because it is hard enough as is without there being so much hate Towards our choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like we talked about earlier, breastfeeding, bottle feeding. Oh my gosh, cloth diapers. I remember going to a breastfeeding club and thinking that I was a bad mom because I was using disposable diapers. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it's, it's insane. I used cloth diapers with my first. Hated every second of it. I used cloth diapers <laughs> for two and a half weeks and they sit in a box in his yeah. room. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> It's and that's choice. why I said, if I could go back and tell myself one thing, yeah. I would trust myself. Mm-hmm. Trust your own judgment because mm-hmm. you are so much more capable yes. than you know. Well, and we're designed for this biologically. You will have the instincts that, you know, it just doesn't happen that, that you won't have those instincts kick in. Um, I know I have a lot of clients that, that maybe they're pondering having their second child or they're due for their second child. And, and they say, well, what if I don't love his, love him as much? And I remember having those thoughts. It's like, feel so dumb now to think that way. But like, you just will. You just that's not even something to worry about. Yeah, I I've had those thoughts since we were considering yeah. having another child. And you know, that's another thing that I've thought about is moms talk about this instant bond mm-hmm. they have with their baby. Right. 
I know moms who didn't, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that should also be something that is talked about is you don't have to immediately have this amazing bond. I mean, when you meet your spouse, you're not immediately incredibly bonded to this person. You were, I mean, yes, they've lived inside of you for nine months, but you have to get to know them. Also, you've just had given birth Mm -hmm. and why should anyone expect you to have this euphoria immediately when you've just had a child? (laughs) Like, it's not a time to be like, I mean, if you are, that's wonderful. I just, I remember having Everett and I was so terrified Mm -hmm. that, I mean, obviously I loved him, but I didn't have that immediate like, oh my goodness, my life is complete feeling. Because now, they, they know when they're little like that, they're a lump. I mean, they don't do much. <laughs> they look they, like a little alien yeah. and they're red and squishy. Oh, yes. Like, can we just say that babies are not all cute? No, newborn photos. They're, they're all squished. Yeah. C-section babies have, are much better, though, as far as the little heads are perfectly round. You're supposed to, even as outsiders, be like, oh, yeah, look at this cute little baby. Let me tell you something. None of those babies except for my niece, is cute right. whenever they're first born. Yes. I'm like, you got to you gotta see the baby. Yeah. little Seinfeld reference in here. That's, I knew that was coming. But then it's like, I'm kind of got to the point where I'm like, you know, whenever they can like walk and talk a little bit, yeah. then I'll spend yes. some time. But like before that, why do I care about holding this thing that's only going to poop or something? <laughs> like what, what do I care about that? So I think it is. there's a motherly connection, but then like to think there's this inherent like you should love this little ball of yeah bundle of joy what i don't know where that came yeah. from first of all but anyways uh going off track with the outsider's perspective what did Seinfeld say she didn't say now that's a baby he said what uh said? well let's see the doctor said breathtaking yeah. and then they they, <laughs> they it was, she was questioning what, what he meant by breathtaking you're exactly right, though. I think that you have a baby, and there is that like instinct in you to protect right. them, and you obviously cherish them. But that bond that like mm-hmm. is depicted on TV, I didn't experience it, and it, it may have been yeah. the birth I had. Other mothers that I have spoken to, they didn't feel it either. They obviously yeah. loved their child, but it wasn't that euphoria like yeah. you see the tv shows and it's just like this is magic mm-hmm. right i was listening to the doctor count the instruments that he was using to sew me up at that moment i right. wasn't having euphoria yeah. i was thinking i'm ready to be on the or like it, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't euphoria but it's wonderful and my son's a toddler now and i experience that joy and that deep deep love every single day i wake sure. up and he's the first thing i see and it brightens my day. And there is nothing more in this world I love than him. <laughs> but I tell moms, especially pregnant, I tell pregnant women because they are the ones who need to be yes. talked to about. They're getting thrown into this new life mm-hmm. with all these expectations that aren't realistic. That's the word I was about to use is expectations. That's the human condition, whether we're talking about motherhood or whatever we're talking about. Everything. We can be set up for disappointment or feel like we're failing if the expectations are not. Reasonable. Marriage, motherhood, anything, careers, yeah. sure. all, everything. Mm-hmm. That is the number one thing I have learned about being an adult is pretty much everyone is walking around faking it and doing their best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that harsh? No, that's good. That's basically true. No, that's that's basically I just, true. I yeah. did. I used to think like, when, especially in high school, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to get out of high school and I'm going to have it all together. I am exactly where 15-year-old me wanted to be. I am married. I am a housewife. (laughs) That sounds pretty sad. (laughs) Yeah. But 
See, no, it's no not idea. though. It's not no though. It's, it's that expectations piece, right? It's like we have to be a certain way. But that's yes. what your goal was. That's what your expectations are of yourself. But no problem. It, it didn't look the way it looks, right? No, I thought it's it was going to be. It's a total mess. But it's a wonderful mess. Exactly. Like it is exactly the way it needed to be, and. It's nothing like I pictured it being. I thought I was going to be the perfect mom and the perfect wife, and there are dishes in my sink all the time because I am chasing a little boy around. Like I said, my toddler eats all kinds of crazy stuff. It's just part of it. I'm not perfect, and that's okay because there's no pressure in being perfect. The only person who put that pressure on me was me. And now here I am, toddler, mom, and I'm fine. And you're talking about it on a podcast. <laughs> and I'm talking about it on podcasts that I listened to yeah. when I was at the bottom of all of yeah, it. Yeah, so we've come full circle. It's full That's circle. Right. I, I do remember, I think it was you in one of our first sessions, um, you told me that one day what I was going through, I would be able to help somebody else. And I'm at that point. And that is one of the most fulfilling things I have ever experienced was going through such hardship for a purpose. I I did, I struggled very hard with thinking, why is this happening to me and why mm. am I going through this? But I genuinely believe there is a reason for all of it. And you know, just talking to one person and having them seek help, because then once they seek help, they can help others. And the more people we so get talking awesome. about this, mm-hmm. it can become normal. Have I told you about our friends and family referral program? No. You get a lifetime of essential oils. Are you serious? She's making all this up right now. I got so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you make that up? I was going to think about lavender. (laughs) She was already picking out her flavors. Actually, I take that back. Leslie may have that kind of deal going on. I don't know. I say flavors too. I say flavors of candles. And it drives my husband crazy. Fine scents. Is that the right? Scents. I don't do a lot of essential oils. It must kind of surprise you. I I got told (laughs) when I definitely needed medication that I should splash some lavender on my wrist and and sniff it. No, no, no. Yes, it is. Well, I have enjoyed this. Leslie, thank you for bringing your client in here to chat. And thank you so much for for sharing. This was great. I appreciated this. Been very enjoyable. Yeah, this was a I'm first. I'm not going to bill you for this hour. Okay. I am. <laughs> I'm billing you both. Actually, actually, she should get a double bill. She's got a tag team therapist over yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> I have to give you my new credit card information because I lost my <laughs> okay. debit card. This is definitely a good time to stop the interview. Then we don't want to get credit card information out there into the World Wide Web. Uh, this is really fun. It is, isn't it? Yeah. This has been Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast where we explore how mental health shows up in real life. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear more of these episodes, we are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. You can learn more about the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, TikTok at Mapping Healthy Minds. Mapping Healthy Minds is sponsored by Compass Counseling and uh, is brought to you by that practice who is located in Paducah, Owensboro, and Henderson, Kentucky, but online therapy is available um, from any of the therapists that practice there.
website for Mapping Healthy Minds is mappinghealthyminds.com. Until next time, be on the lookout for how mental health shows up in real life.